Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowell Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how goes? It's going good. It's a nice sunny day outside in the Bay Area. Yep. Um, but I'm really excited to be here and talk comics like always. Awesome. And yes, indeed, it's summertime in the Bay Area. Today is Wednesday, August 8th, and the show Cloak and Dagger Season 1 just completed, mm-hmm. yeah? And we're going to talk about it. We're going to focus on Cloak and Dagger Season 1 today. So, I finished it. Did you finish it as well? Yeah, I just finished it also over the weekend. Cool. Yeah, this show actually finished... Not long ago. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Last Thursday. Last Thursday. Okay. So Uh this is kind of hot off the presses. (laughs) And uh, we managed to finish. Like we, neither of us started the show when it actually started airing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We both kind of binged it, it sounded like, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's pretty fresh in our minds. And um, yeah. Yeah, we chatted a little bit before we started recording, but we both have some opinions. Um, Let's just dive right into it. Now, I thought before we really get into the show, I thought I'd mention the comics a little bit. Now, have you read any Cloak and Dagger comics? I haven't read any Cloak and Dagger comics. Mm -hmm. I've read comics featuring them. Okay, yeah. Um, Like, on my way here on BART, I was reading the this storyline with spider-man called maximum carnage okay where it's like carnage has like a group of super villains fighting and trying to bring destruction to the city and spider-man has his own little group and two of them is cloak and dagger okay uh-huh. cool oh i like that yeah i i'm kind of in the same boat i've never read a cloak and dagger comic but i've read a few series that feature them mm-hmm. so um I've read the the first appearances of Cloak and Dagger. So they first appeared in Spectacular Spider-Man number 64 in 1982. They were created by Bill Mantlo and Ed Hannigan, and they made a few other appearances in this book. And I've read those, so the first like five or so appearances, uh-huh. so I read the original stuff they were in. And I've also read some... Runaways comics and some, uh, what's the other series? I caught them in. Oh, some Miles Morales Spider-Man comics. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I was um, fairly familiar with them before the show. Not super familiar, but, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. And, um, yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the comparison of the comics version of Cloak and Dagger versus the TV show version. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah, any thoughts there about how faithful the show was to the comics? And was it similar? Was it different? You know, that sort of thing. Well, you know, Cloak and Dagger, their powers are Cloak, he's um, a black male, Tyrone, who has, like, a cloak basically and he's able to teleport around anywhere and he carries like this like dark dimension underneath his cloak to trap yeah. his enemies mm-hmm. whereas 
dagger she's like kind of like the exact opposite of him she's a white female tandy mm-hmm. and she can see like the hope and light in people and also yeah. carry like a weapon like a dagger mm-hmm. knife right. it's a light dagger, yeah right? yeah uh, and she is like she knows how to use that thing yep Mm -hmm. Uh, and so watching the show is kind of like always like i was really anxious to see how it how they would use it yeah and it took a while for the show to expose their house because you know they're still new to it they don't know how to control it Mm -hmm. or come make it come out of thin air like in the comics it's kind of already well established yep but in the tv show it took a while and i think that's where it kind of lost me like, okay. just the pace. So, yeah, actually, I noticed that, too, how, um, you know, uh, oh, before we continue, the game plan here is kind of what we've been doing before. Start off without spoilers, and then there will be a spoiler alert where we'll yeah. get into spoiler territory. But I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, you know, the whole season was kind of an origin story, right? Yeah. It wasn't like they had their full superpowers right from the beginning, right? They were sort of figuring it out. And even at the end of the season, you know, they were still kind of like rookie superheroes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I kind of understand where you're coming from, where, uh, you know, <laughs> let's uh, let's get this going. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> um, I kind of like the fact that they were sort of figuring out their powers, though. That, that was sort of interesting to me. And... Um, and like we've been saying, I think the their powers on the show were pretty faithful to the comics, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, it seemed like it. Yeah, like, again, I wasn't super familiar with them. Um, the Cloak and Dagger I was familiar with was basically Cloak could teleport and Dagger could, you know, throw these light daggers at people, right? That's pretty much all I knew. And then... In the show, come to find that they have these, like, sort of psychic powers, too, mm-hmm. where they have, like, sort of a psychic link between each other. And, like you were mentioning, uh, Dagger can sense the hope in people upon touch. Mm-hmm. And Cloak can sense the fear among people upon touch, right? When that started happening, I'm like, whoa, this is... This is weird. I didn't know they could do this. And then I kind of researched a little bit, and it's totally true to the comic. Like, yeah. They have these powers in the comics. So, yeah, that kind of was a refreshing surprise. The Powers-wise, the show seemed to be almost completely faithful to the source material. So kind of cool in that mm-hmm. respect, right? Um, where I found there were a lot of differences was with their... Uh, origin yeah you know that was mm-hmm. a lot different you know like I, like I mentioned I read the initial appearances of these characters in spectacular spider-man and it is it's a whole lot different so again this is not spoilery spoilery to say um, because it happens right in the beginning of the whole series uh, cloak and dagger get their superpowers as little kids they're mm-hmm. very young right there's this oil rig accident and um they're both in the water where like this i don't know experimental fluid gets <laughs> out to them and they get their superpowers that way that's totally different from the comics because in the comics they're teenagers and it's not like this uh science experiment gum 
gone wrong. It's like uh, they're forced to take experimental drugs from drug dealers and uh, they get their superpowers that way. Mm -hmm. Again, as teenagers, it's totally different. It's like a completely different thing. Um, I don't know, to me, it's, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I kind of liked all that little kid stuff. Like those those two kid actors were really good, they I were, thought. They were really good, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. Um, I like the, yeah. you know, the different settings. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the comics, it Cloak and Dagger are mainly set in New York, whereas the, the comics, TV yeah. show, it's main the the it's the location is in New Orleans. Yes, yeah. Which for me seemed more, it was really refreshing and different because you know in the MCU you either have like superheroes like in LA like you have the Runaways and yeah a little bit of Black Panther, um, and then you have New York which is like the rest of the Avengers. So to kind of like have like a new setting with featuring superheroes it was kind of refreshing yeah i agree i agree you know that is a major another major difference between the show and the comics this location mm -hmm. right new orleans and um yeah i totally agree it's it is refreshing you know like there are so many superheroes in this universe now and yes cloak and dagger does take place in the mcu we know this we know that Runaways takes place in the MCU, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. <laughs> all the movies, you know, it's it's getting pretty crowded, right? So I think it's really good that they're kind of spreading it around location-wise because if everyone was in New York, it kind of wouldn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought it was cool. And New Orleans does uh, play heavily into the show. It's like almost like a character in the show, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, that was kind of cool for sure. Um, other differences, I noted a few others. Uh, again, this is really early on part of the origin in the very first episode. Uh, a big part of uh, Cloak's story arc is the death of his brother, you know. And again, this takes place very early on, and it's a defining moment, you know. Um, that doesn't happen in the comics. It's uh, his friend that dies in the comics. And it doesn't seem that uh, significant to Cloak, that death in the comics. But the, his brother's death in the show is huge. Mm -hmm. It's maybe the biggest defining moment of the whole show. Like, it really is ever-present throughout the season, right? Yeah, the, that moment sets up the tone for how... Tyrone acts throughout the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another uh, change. So the, yeah, the origin stories are very different. Um, I, but you know, not not to say it's bad. I, I thought I thought the way they set them up uh, was good. Like I said, in particular, uh, the child actors. I thought their their performances were really strong. In fact, early in the season. I kind of felt like the little kid actors were better than the teenage <laughs> actors. Um, that kind of changed. Uh, I think they improved. Uh, but initially, I was kind of more interested in, in these little kids initially. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought uh, that worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, going along the lines of that, I think, like, even their character background, like, it totally, like, flipped. Because, you know, in the comics, Tandy's actually, like, the wealthy one. And she escapes because she thinks that her mother's being selfish. Where Tyrone comes from, like a low-income neighborhood. Yeah. Where in the TV show, that's completely flipped. That's right. Like that's Tyrone right. is the 
one that has has a good and mm-hmm. Candy's the one who has to like kind of like she's on her own living in the streets. Yeah. It makes for a pretty interesting dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a bit of a role reversal, you mm-hmm. know? Um so uh, the show does address that too. You know, it speaks to Tandy's privilege, but it's an interesting conflict because she did start off as you know this privileged white girl, but then her situation kind of changed. The same thing with Tyrone, right? Where he had humble beginnings, but then his parents um, were actually pretty rich in his teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. So it it it. it it made for some pretty interesting dialogue, for sure. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole discussion to be talked about there, but we'll get into that later when we could do the spoilers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so now we've talked about the comics comparison a bit. Um, what about just, like, how much did we like the show? Like, um, what are your thoughts after watching these uh, 10 episodes, Preferio? I thought it was okay. It's not... Definitely not my favorite Marvel show. Um, Kept me entertained. Kept me being like, okay, let's see what's going to happen next week. At least I kept, like, following up on it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really take a break in between episodes Uh because, you know, like, we didn't start it right away. Yeah, we didn't have much time. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, let's – I'm interested in seeing how the next episode plays out. Yeah. But overall, I was not invested. I was like, ah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh-huh. I was just like that too. Uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> 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 Nothing great. Um, you know, we've already highlighted some aspects of the show we like. But yeah, for me, just overall, yeah, not a huge fan of it, you know. Um I will say, you know, maybe I'll start off the positives, you know, mm-hmm. because there are certainly aspects of the show I did like. You know how I mentioned initially I liked the kid actors more than the teenage yeah. actors? Um, I thought the teenage actors really uh, turned it around. They, they Their performances were really good, I thought. Uh, so Aubrey Joseph plays Tyrone Johnson, a.k.a. Cloak, and Olivia Holt plays Tandy Bowen, a.k.a. Dagger. And I think their performances are really strong. And um, the show is kind of geared toward that, towards that. You know, the, it's it's sort of a showcase for these actors. Um, if you're looking for a show that is, like, action-packed and is, like, an action superhero showcase, probably this isn't the show for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, a pretty deep dive into character development and uh these two actors are are pretty solid i would say particularly um the cloak actor Mm -hmm. uh aubrey joseph Uh, he he really uh put in a strong performance season long like he he, his his story was pretty gripping to me Mm -hmm. um i talked a little bit about his brother's death and um i felt that like i could i could always feel that uh, I don't know that ghost sort of bearing down on him. Uh-huh. I could always feel that. You know, there is this quiet melancholy with him all throughout, and yeah, he sold it. Like he he was really good, and um, the dagger actress was was solid as well. So I will say that. Um, 
like I mentioned, not really an action showcase kind of show. Um, and, you know, I do like a good action scene, and there weren't many there weren't <laughs> with this show, yeah. right? Yeah, that was, for me, that was kind of like the downfall. Like, the, yeah. I guess, like, I'm, I've just been so used to, like, I guess, like the other Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah. Or even yeah. Ages of Shield, just like so much fighting, action pack scenes that I was like, I think that's why I was like interested in seeing them show off, showcase their powers. And, you know, since they were still learning how to do it, it wasn't shown that mm-hmm. much. So I guess that's what was a letdown for me. Yeah. But yeah. like how you were saying earlier, there is a lot of character development within yeah. the show between the two characters. Yeah. And I agree with you about like Tyrone being the biggest one. I think mm-hmm. he, I think Kim himself was just able, the actor was able to relate to the character, which is why I think he was the shine out. Yeah. Yeah. Shi- breakout star in the show. Yeah. Whereas Tandy, I kind of felt like her character's kind of, like, annoying. Yeah, I, I, I'm, like, right there with you. Like, with her story, so they both have these uh, tragic origin stories, right? So um, Cloak's brother dies early on. Dagger's father dies early on. Um, and, you know, like I said, I could feel Cloak's brother's death all throughout the season and, like, you know, in everything that Cloak did, his his the death of his brother sort of hung over him, right? It like haunted him. It yeah, absolutely, that's right. It haunted him. With Dagger, like I never really got her her angst so much. Like, of course, yeah, your father dying and with you at an early age can be very traumatic, obviously. Um, but like her storyline kind of went into like after school special territory where she becomes like addicted to drugs and um it was a little bit over the top like mm-hmm. um i didn't really she didn't her her uh sob story if you want to call it was a little bit more far-fetched than tyrone's right it, it kind of felt that way hey, a little bit yeah he, you like took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, there you go <laughs> yeah um and just a quick note on the action like um yeah, I understand what you're saying. Where like oh, you're just waiting for them to de- develop their powers so you can like let's get let's get to some action or whatever. Uh-huh. Like I could sort of tell, like a few episodes in, that it would be like a slow burn. It's like okay, this is one of those shows. Like we're we're not gonna get the big payoff action scene until later, right? Mm-hmm. So I understood that. I was like, you know, okay, I'll go for the ride. You know, I'll, I'll go along with this character development. And then, you know, to me it was kind of cool where like these little moments where they're like crafting their powers or figuring it out the problem i had though was at the very end it really set up it was like a showcase for for them to really shine you know like okay they're they're at this point where they have a pretty good handle on their powers and there's this great threat i'm not going to spoil it spoil it right now but there's this great threat and they need to step up right mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm like here we go at least it, we can end with a bang but it really fizzled out to me. Like there was no like big, awesome superhero moment at the end, right? Uh, it, it just was. It fell flat. I it really, thought. it kind of really did. It felt like season one was just like a big setup for season two. Yeah, if and, if that, you know, yeah. I don't know if, if it's even ever gonna get into like an exciting action show territory. Yeah, you're. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, 
But another interesting thing that I, we haven't mentioned was that, like, in the comics, Cloak and Dagger, they're an actual couple. Like, they have to rely on one another. Yeah. And in the TV show, they're just really they're big companions like they rely on each other like the whole fear versus hope kind of um momentum Mm -hmm. but i i I felt like that was really it was interesting yeah yeah I, i did like the contrast of the two characters i mean that's that's the core appeal of these characters right mm-hmm. One is literally black and the other is literally white and their powers are very complementary and um, it's like this yin-yang sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and the comics capture that and the show captures that too. Uh, I agree. Um, I think it's time to go into spoilers, yeah? Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Before I get off of like... Um, the positives and negatives. There's a couple more negatives I wanted to mention before I forget because this really annoyed me. I talked about the ending of the show, which was like a fizzle out for me. Um, but I'm curious to get your opinion on this. But uh, there is this music track throughout the whole season. So, like, um, the way they used music, that mm-hmm. really annoyed me. Okay, it wasn't just like a score. It wasn't a background score. This was like actual like pop music playing throughout the show. And it wasn't like it was on on the radio in the background. This was like pop music playing prominently, song after song. It, the, the, the whole the whole show is filled with music and it's it's pretty loud, you know, like it is very prominent. It's yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I mean that that bugged the hell out of me. It, it was if you guys uh are aware of uh, Grey's Anatomy, the show Grey's Anatomy, it uses music much like that show. And I haven't seen a lot of that. I've just kind of like seen it over the shoulder of my wife, but I noticed on that show same thing. Like there's this music playing all throughout. It's like a music video, like nonstop, right? Uh, so that yeah, that was a that was a hell of annoying. No, I really had to know? agree with you there because okay. you know if you watch something like Luke Cage or Daredevil, they have background music, but there's no lyrics, there's no yeah, words, and yeah. so it just sets up like the mood and the tone of the show. This show, because usually when I watch shows, I kind of have to put on subtitles because there's some stuff I can't hear. Yeah, me too. And so I would, like, read off the lyrics, and it makes sense, like, why they chose the song, like, because it fits the, um, like, what was going on in the storyline at the time that the music, the song choice. Yeah. But it's kind of irritating because, like you said, <laughs> it's they really jam-pack it at every scene. Yeah. And it's just... It's like, okay, cool. It's cool to do it every once in a while, but not at, like, the climax of every episode right, or anything. Right. It, it was just way too overdone. Yeah, way too much. Yeah, actually, it would be one thing if they had it at the end. I think that was, a like, a signature Grey's Anatomy thing where, like, the end of each episode would just have, like, all this music. Um, again, annoying. <laughs> I could do without it. But, you know, I think Cloak and Dagger could, Dagger took it to another level where they just throughout every episode, like the beginning, the middle, the end, just, there's just all this music, different mm-hmm. genres, and like without lyrics, with lyrics, is very kind of like intrusive, you know. Mm-hmm. So okay, I'm glad, I'm glad we're yeah. on the same uh, page there. Um, okay, one other negative I wanted to bring up 
So, um, have you seen the show Runaways at all? Yes, I've you've, you've seen. I've seen all that. of it. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So, this show Cloak and Dagger is uh, kind of in line with Runaways, right? It's yeah. If you're gonna compare it to any other show, you'd have to compare it to Runaways. It's nothing like. Uh, all the other shows you mentioned, like all, all the Marvel Netflix mm-hmm. stuff, you know, is very different from those shows. Uh, but yeah, I, if you're going to compare it to the sh- to a show, I think Runaways would be the show, right? They're both in the MCU. They're both they're both Marvel, um, and it's it's kind of a, a younger superhero uh, team, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely was kind of comparing the two shows a lot when I was watching Cloak and Dagger. Uh, I I think the reason like Cloak and Dagger just feels like really similar to The Runaways and not the other Marvel shows. Um, I think it's just the channel that it was showed because it's shown on Freeform. Yeah, which is you know ABC owned. You have like all these other family shows like The Fosters, Grey's Anatomy, um, mm-hmm. and it's. Again, like this, like target audience is like teenagers. I feel yeah. like where it was like a teenager kind of show, yeah. Rather than like a show designated designated for like geeks, which is something like Marvel <laughs> does a lot better on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Yeah, on Netflix yeah. does a lot better. Whereas this one, it felt more like it was really targeting the teenage audience. Yeah, That's I what, agree. Yeah, like both shows. A lot of drama. A lot of like, I guess, um, what's the word? Relevance. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. And that said, um, you know, I talked about Runaways in a past episode, but um, yeah, that show, I mean, I wasn't totally in love with it, but I, I definitely enjoyed it more than Cloak and Dagger. Yes. And same with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mentioned a lot of the, the negatives with Cloak and Dagger, but I think the main differentiating point between the two is Runaways is fun. Like, this show is not fun. It's very bleak, you yeah. know? And, um, I mean, like, it's it's what they were going for. They, they were going for kind of a dark outlook on things, but um, it just made for kind of a dreary experience. Like, I didn't have any fun watching this show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's not what they were going for, and, you know, we don't want every superhero show to be the same but you know why do i watch superhero shows and movies because they're fun i want to have some fun here and i was like you want to geek out to it i want to geek out you know and this show is just (laughs) just just flat out not a fun show period Mm -hmm. okay uh so i'll leave that at that okay um yeah now we can just kind of just freeform discuss i mean any other thoughts on on this show at all, Cloak and Dagger? Well, really, the one scene I really want to talk about really bad is this scene that Tyrone and Tandy have in the church about talking mm-hmm. about their privilege and stuff. Yes. Um, Tandy points out, like, she's, you know, she, something bad happens to her where she almost gets sexually assaulted in the show. Yeah. But there's nothing that she can, she, she can do about it because um, the police kind of, like, wrap up the case so nobody so the rich person which white boy doesn't get hurt and so yeah. she's complaining about it from like a woman standpoint and but tyrone's saying like oh well you know being a black male i'm targeted every day also like and i don't even have to do anything i could just stand right there and or go to like a mall and they automatically 
stereotype me to be like a thug or a thief, even though yeah. he comes like from a rich neighborhood, you mm-hmm. know? So each person talks about like their own privilege and it's just so, I was like, I was totally living for that kind of talk. And, yeah. you know, it is a superhero show, but just to be able to have that kind of talk to, I guess like for, to show like you could relate to anyone like you know how we had like our spider-man talk the other day yeah about how you could relate to the characters i felt like that was totally like the nail that they were going for yeah yeah oh that's cool that you um really connected with that scene because i felt like i did too you know i specifically noted it when it happened yeah. this is uh, episode four and um yeah uh, throughout the first three episodes you know the show is called Cloak and Dagger, but they're not together. Their their storylines are pretty much entirely separate. They cross paths a few times, um, but they barely say much of anything to each other until this episode. Right? There's mm-hmm. this like kind of showdown at, at the church that that Dagger lives in, mm-hmm. and um, it's yeah, it's a deep conversation, you know. Uh-huh. And I, I was um, not expecting it. It went into some some territory that was uh, pretty edgy and and surprising. You know, they they kind of talked a lot about privilege. You know, and it is interesting. You know, uh, in this day and age, it's it's a converse it's a type of conversation that should be happening. You know, it's like um, Dagger's point of view is like the point of view of a lot of women right now. You yeah. know. Uh, the struggles that women go through, um, you know, the whole um, uh, sexual assault angle. She went into that, and then Tyrone went into um, being black in America yeah. in 2018, you know, and um, his struggles are so relevant right now. You know, everything he brings up really, like, hits home. Um, I like the way that conversation was handled because it didn't really take sides and it's the type of conversation that really should be happening you know yes uh, tandy is a white girl and there is you know a level of of privilege that's built in there right um but it's like you know the conversations that are happening it shouldn't be like oh you're white shut the hell up you have nothing to say like mm-hmm. you're privileged like don't even talk to me you know no no we, we should have these conversations and the stuff that dagger brings up makes sense and then um with cloak you know he's rich you know and just because he's rich doesn't mean he shouldn't have a say right um and that was sort of dagger's arguments like well you you've had a like a silver spoon you know like yeah. well, what the hell do you know about like the struggle right um but obviously you know his struggles are, are very much uh like what a lot of young black men in America are dealing with right now, right? So um, it's cool. It's, it's a very kind of an inclusive moment, right? Yeah, it's really relevant to everything going on today. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, police brutality and just a lot of police, like, being, like, rats and everything, like, that the show yeah. addresses. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, not to to confuse like the show is not political at all but it does just sort of touch upon these like social issues that are that are very relevant like you said 
And yeah, the whole like Black Lives Matter thing, that is definitely touched upon in this show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought it was super powerful that um, a lot of the show centers around Cloak's brother's death, you know, and I think it's pretty cool that there is so much weight, there's so much emphasis on this character's death because you can see like the dirty cops perspective on that death it's for to them it's just just another young black kid dead that's all it is and that's the perspective sadly of a lot of people in this country right and the whole point of movements like black lives matter is that well every life counts yeah you know look at look at this kid who certain policemen in the show regard as oh just some some like criminal black kid like better off dead right um but look at the effect on his brother and their family and like there's this huge impact you know that really drives the whole season really right so like a message like that is so powerful right so that that's pretty cool um you know entertainment value aside i think uh this show tapped into some pretty significant social stuff right? yeah definitely yeah so that was cool okay so yeah i was thinking along the lines of like the fun factor of the show so okay the action scenes aren't great yeah let me get into more specifics (laughs) on the finale now so the finale was um totally setting it up for like a big like showdown yeah showdown Mm -hmm. superhero action set piece you Mm -hmm. know like the entire city of new orleans is in danger and there's like all these like pipes these like gas pipes all throughout the city you can see it on a map at some point right Mm -hmm. and um they're in danger of bursting and letting out this this like experimental gas that will turn people essentially into zombies right it's very like comic booky and what i felt like was oh this like really kind of serious show is finally going to get into like some fun superhero action stuff it kind of didn't but uh because you know as this was unfolding like cloak and dagger were like struggling to figure out like what to do right so mm-hmm. it's just their big moment like they, they were both very unsure of each other and unsure of themselves and um afraid really right uh so it was a big missed opportunity because th- there was a lot of uh, uh, what was lacking in the season was like uh some good action you know and and this was the time for it right and i thought with they had like the perfect setup they had basically the entire city of new orleans turning into zombies and cloak and dagger like finally realizing their powers taking on like all these zombies like it had a lot of potential you know yeah i i totally had a different scenario going on in my head of how the ending was gonna be oh yeah okay let me finish my thought and then we'll get to that okay um but um a lot of the appeal of the cloak and dagger uh stories in the comics is cloak and dagger fighting street level criminals Mm -hmm. their their main focus uh is is like 
like the war on crime, like very 80s, right? They were trying to bust drug dealers and they're, and they're just, they're fighting. They got into fights, you know, they, they definitely showcased their powers, but it was like street fights and stuff, right? We didn't really see that in the show, but I thought, oh, with this season finale, episode 10, okay, now they can really do their thing. And um, instead of just like regular criminals, it'd be like these zombies who were like, crazed and and a big threat you know so i thought that would be pretty cool to see but they really didn't fight the zombies so much yeah, right yeah. it just i felt like like they just uh it was a big cop out like they just like kind of held hands and then there's this big bright light and all of a sudden everything was like fixed right yeah. and it was just like there was like a a 15 minute action set piece that was missing or something mm-hmm. or they ran out of budget i don't know <laughs> and and it's, it was like fixed done and they were like on top of the superdome or something and like ah, everything's good uh so that yeah, big letdown it, for me <laughs> it was very flat yeah so uh tell me what were you thinking I as thought, this was like, unfolding you know the episode I thought it was gonna be something like something like where you were saying how there was these zombies and they were gonna fight them and everything, mm-hmm. and then I thought like some reason like Dagger knew that sh- she like found some kind of power that to heal the zombies, yeah, because you know, the zombies were they got that power from like that 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 um, gas leak, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to be able to find some, like, way to be able to bring Hope back into the city and turn them back into normal. Yeah. And then her, her and Cloak would, like, travel, I don't know, to, like, the top of the city and her just kind of, like, unleash her energy mm-hmm. upon the city. Um, but it was totally not going that way. It, it just felt really flat, like you said. Yeah, fell flat. Yeah, man, like... You know, I think we're we're both pretty into like staying faithful to the source material, and you know, well, what I was gonna say is like we both value like the the comics incarnation of these characters, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and look, when I when even before I saw the first minute of Cloak and Dagger, in my mind, what do I see? You know, I see Cloak and Dagger fighting these street level uh, criminals, and in addition to that, fighting like collaboratively. Yeah. You know, like uh, I think I mentioned this in my review of Defenders. Like, I was so looking forward to Defenders because it would. I was thinking, oh, it's like. You know, I, I love all these shows, right? Um, but how cool would it be to see Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones working together? Like, you know, kind of like the Avengers. Like, individually, they're awesome. But together, they're, they're like, they're greater than the sum of their parts, right? Yeah. That's what makes them great, right? Um, uh, they're able to defeat foes that they can never think to challenge individually but together they're invincible right so i was looking for that in defenders and that was kind of missing and along those same lines i was looking for that here right um cloak and dagger are are they have powers individually but where they really are unstoppable is when they fight together 
you know, mm-hmm. when, when they when they join forces and they use their complementary powers to fight villains, right? Uh, there was like none of that on the show, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, like just something simple, like, um, like like a zombie charging cloak, and he not only can he um, teleport, but he can make himself intangible, right? Yeah. So like people just go through him, he he phases, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Maybe a zombie he runs through him, and he phases out, and and the zombie like bonks into a wall, stuff like that. That was missing. But in addition to that, yeah, like Dagger, like working in collaboration with that, you know, like um, maybe he uh, teleports, he, he can teleport himself, but he can teleport other people, right? So you see this in the comics a lot where he teleports Dagger with him and she's up high and she can throw her daggers from the sky and stuff. And then he teleports her back down to earth to safety. I mean, there's none of that kind of stuff in the show. And I need that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, come on, like, without that, it's it's not really you you lose the appeal of a team up. Like the whole point of a team up is so that you can see these superheroes working together, and um, that was missing. That was missing big time. You know, I want to see that. I want to see more <laughs> of that stuff. Um, along those same lines, um, the costumes. So this is always an interesting conversation because costumes and comic books are one thing, and it's really hard to translate costume comic book costumes into TV shows and movies, right? You gotta, it's hard. Yeah, you definitely got to put like a modern twist on it, or else it just looks very comedy. Looking. Yeah, it, it can it can be really goofy, and um, the way things are nowadays. I mean, you look at the Marvel Netflix shows, uh, you look at shows like Cloak and Dagger and Runaways, you know, they're going for a very realistic look. You know, the people on these shows look like people you see in real life. They don't wear outlandish outlandish costumes, right? And it, But it's tough because as, as fans of comics, you want to see the costumes represented in some way, mm-hmm. right? It's tough. You know, it's tough. I think um, you look at the Spider-Man movies, and um, that was all. All the Spider-Man movies, and we've we've talked to the, about these in length. Um, but one thing you can't deny is that pretty much every Spider-Man movie has represented Spider-Man very faithfully from the comics. He's in the iconic red and blue and webbed costume, right? Yeah. And it's it's awesome, you know. Like I love it. You know, you look at uh, the the earlier X Men movies, and they're just like in black jumpsuits. Uh-huh. Like, what is that? You know, like <laughs> I mean, that first X Men movie from Brian Singer was was definitely good, but uh, I don't think I'm alone when I say like they didn't look like the X Men from the comics at all. It was very lazy writing. It was lazy, you know. Uh, it was a different time, and like I think the whole like fan service wasn't as as uh, big then. Mm-hmm. Um, so cut to cloak and dagger. So right now it's tricky. Like I think uh, movie and show producers are sort of walking that line, right? Do we want to go full fan service? It worked for Spider Man, or do we want to dial it back? You know, if we're going for realism, you have to dial it back to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, were you gonna say something for that, Furio? I like. I really like the way they introduced Cloak's um, outfit. Yeah, like I agree. Were, like he used two different outfits, and both of them they weren't just like hosting me. They both had meaning. The first one he had was really that really looked identical to the comics, which you know that was like that blue and black striped cloak. Yeah, it was really about like him having that connection to his brother. Yeah, because of of um, some kind of tradition in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, the location being a significant role in the show. Right, right, right. And I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, it was like a like a Mardi Gras costume, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it made sense. It looked kind of like outlandish, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And then like and then it gets destroyed, right when he's about to pick up on his powers. Right. But then um, Tandy gives him his sweater that she took when they were little kids. Right. And he's able to control his powers again from that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, again, that sweater has, it's just a basic sweater, but it has so much significance to, it's more than just a sweater. It's like that sweater he wore when his brother passed away. When yeah, yeah. The one that Tandy took when they first met. And so it's really interesting that like they turn something very comedic into something that has really a lot of, significance you know yeah. and but um dagger they never really give her a proper costume <laughs> yeah yeah i agree yeah i totally agree with your take on cloak's costuming because i thought they handled it well you know they did do a huge nod to the comics with that uh, initial mardi gras type costume where it really did look like cloak's cloak straight out of the comics yeah that was cool and then even like the later version where it's just a black hoodie um that was cool too because it still kind of looked like the original cloak costume and it looked cool and (laughs) it was like uh a part of that whole like uh storyline of his brother's death It, it all connected quite well um yeah not so much with dagger now in the comics, you know, you want to talk about like pretty outlandish costumes. Like Dagger's costume is very out there. You know, with with Cloak, it's he he's just basically all in black with this like black and blue cloak, and it looks pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so it's not that much of a stretch to see him wearing that on the show. And again, I think it was cool that he he got to have that moment um, with Dagger. If they were to do a direct translation of the dagger costume to TV, there would be a lot of complaints. <laughs> it is very kind of like a risque uh, outfit, you know, um, like skin tight, white leotard with like a huge opening in the yeah. chest area, you know? Um, so obviously they weren't gonna do a direct translation. Um, but I gotta go back to my same take. Like I would have loved to see some sort of reference, you know, they didn't really touch upon it at all no right i, th- I think what could have been awesome what they do is like you know at the, the last episode like they go they get ready to go into battle against roxanne yeah and you know her just kind of changing into like a simple like white pants and white <laughs> shirt yeah and just be like uh, like you know not making a big deal out of it but fans uh-huh. who know the comics be like oh shit right right yeah outfit, you know yeah yeah, I know what you mean. I, I I wanted that to happen too, but I kept thinking it it just wouldn't it wouldn't fit for her to be an all white head to toe. Um, so in my mind, maybe 
it would have been cooler if there was a moment when they were getting ready for this final battle yeah. and um, they were trying to pick out something to wear and she goes through her closet and she sees like, I don't know, this white ballerina <laughs> outfit and um, she's like, how about this? And the cloak says, I don't think so. Like something like that would have been funny, <laughs> that right? That would have been awesome, yeah. Right? And just, it would have been uh, fun. It would have been faithful to the comics and it's a nod to the fans. Um, but... It kind of goes along with what I'm saying. Like, the show is so serious, you know? Like, I could see the producers being like, um, let's not make a mockery of this show. This show touches upon very serious things. Let's keep it real, you know, and gritty. So yeah. let's leave that alone. So it's unfortunate. I would have liked to see some fun in this movie. Like, um, you know, I've mentioned a lot how uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And that movie is pretty serious, you know. Uh, a, a lot of the movie is is uh, kind of dark and and, uh, and grim. Um, but there's plenty of light moments in it, you know, with like uh, uh, Anthony Mackie with his uh, comedic stuff and just, just some jokes thrown in, you know. They, they, they balance it out, right? So just because a show touches upon dark subject matter like Cloak and Dagger doesn't mean every minute has to be bleak and grim and gritty, you know? Have some fun, you know? It's yeah. okay to put a joke in there, here and there, you know? Um, I couldn't help but think of some of the the DC Extended Universe movies. You know, it's like, oh, I could lighten up a little <laughs> bit, you know? Like, let's have some fun. Uh, so, yeah, that, that unfortunately, that kind of took away uh, from my experience a bit mm-hmm. uh, Sidetracking really fast Did you catch that um, Luke Cage Easter egg? I did I was just about to bring <laughs> this up too uh-huh. uh, So yeah, I was wondering If the show would Cross over at all With the MCU or Marvel Netflix Or whatever um, But yeah it, it did It was it was very little very subtle, but like, uh, yeah. what 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 was it? What, what's this reference you're talking about? The Misty Knight reference. Yes, uh-huh. yes, indeed. Um, so this was we haven't talked about this character uh, O'Reilly, right? Mm-hmm. So she plays pretty pretty prominently in the show. Uh, pretty strong performance by this actress. Um, but yeah, so she is like the connection to New York, right? So this show, like we've been saying, is very New Orleans centric. Um, pretty much everyone on the show is like from New Orleans living there. Um, but this uh, police officer, O'Reilly, she's like a transplant, right? She's from New York, right? And um, and uh, the 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 dirty cop on the show, yeah, he he kind of calls her out on it, right? He actually calls her New York, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's a really cool reference where um, she mentions Misty Knight in a very subtle way, right? So I I really like the way they handled this too because um, this is right after Cloak showed his powers to her and another cop, right? So kind of a big moment where he like revealed that he had superpowers. And at first I was like, oh man, shouldn't they be like totally freaking out? Like this kid can (laughs) teleport, you know? for real, Um, But in a great way, not only did they make reference to the Luke Cage show, um, they kind of explained why, at least why O'Reilly didn't totally flip out. Because her partner was like, like, can you believe that kid? Did he see what he did? 
And she's like, yeah, um, but I've seen that sort of thing before. You should talk to my friend Misty. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the that's the reference, right? It's very subtle, and um, I'm sure a lot of people didn't pick up on it. Um, but I love it. You know, it, it connects these shows, yeah, yeah. and it also, t- importantly, it's you know, it, it's 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 good writing because it kind of explains why O'Reilly sort of understands and doesn't totally flip out when she sees superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the only. Uh, MCU reference. Did you catch anything else? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. The other there one? was one other one, and it's very subtle too. Um, but uh, I almost forgot this scene. But there's a mention of one of the uh, Roxxon executives uh-huh. where he's talking about having to uh, uh, keep the business going. Uh-huh. Like they have to continue making oh, money okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and he okay. mentioned stark and rand yeah like I, we have to keep up with stark and rand or something like that mm-hmm. right uh so that's the other that's the other reference i did catch that one yeah oh cool nice <laughs> um yeah it's very subtle but uh i love that kind of shit you know um this whole idea of a shared universe is cool you know like the the what the, what the mcu has done has been so amazing i love thinking of the fact that that there are so many uh, characters as part of this universe right mm-hmm. it's all connected i love that i love it so much mm-hmm. um you know going off the how being the connected to the rest of the mcu yeah uh, in my head you know because infinity war is still kind of fresh in my mind uh-huh. i was thinking like this has to be like pre-infinity war because you know the snap hasn't <laughs> happened people are, half the people aren't gone Oh right, yeah. So I, was, I don't know. That was just one like thought that was going on through my head. I was like, okay, where where does this fall in the timeline? Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's an interesting thought because it's cool that all these shows and movies are connected, but if they are connected, then the snap of Thanos's fingers happens across all of this stuff. Yeah. Right, and it's such a huge moment that no one show can ignore it mm-hmm. right all these shows the marvel netflix shows runaways uh cloak and dagger agents of shield it it's they're, they're all part of this universe it all so has to be impacted it has to right uh-huh. um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how it will be addressed it was kind of cool how ant-man and the wasp addressed it um but they're gonna have to con- Continue to address <laughs> that snapping somehow, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay, any last thoughts on Cloak and Dagger? Um, well, I'm. Even though this show wasn't like my favorite show, I was also pretty much just for the fun of it. Watch, continue watching season two when it comes mm. out. And yes, season two has been announced, and uh, it will air next year. I think they said spring of 2019. Yeah. Uh, so um, I don't know if I'm in. <laughs> maybe. I'm a maybe. I'll let you know if it's good. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Um, if for no other reason, it might be interesting to again compare it to Runaways because Runaways also has been announced to have a season two. Yeah. So both these shows are going into season two. Um, might be cool to compare. Might be cool to see how they address 
if they address Infinity War. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's hard to, to, you know, not keep up on all of it, right? Because, yeah, you and I both love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and um, there's certainly an aspect of it where you don't want to miss anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, even though you know that a show like Cloak and Dagger will have very little to do with any Avengers movie, um, you do know it's part of the same universe, <laughs> you, just can't you know. Help but watch it, right? You know? Oh, and there was uh, a Stan Lee moment in this too. Yeah, right. It was, but it was. I mean, it wasn't Stan Stan the Man Lee. Yeah, but yeah, I did catch that. Right, it was like kind of an Andy Warhol esque uh, painting. Yeah. of Stan. Right, <laughs> so you know, uh, you know, as as Marvel fans, uh, you can't help but you know have fun with it. Have fun, smile at these little moments. All right, with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Porfirio.